Hey, I'm Stephen Povatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10:15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. I hope you're doing well today. I'm glad that you've uh, joined us. We're in the middle of a series here that we call How to Church, and we're thinking about some of the practices that are really core to what it means to be a community. And last week, we talked about one of those largest obstacles that's just the simplest on-face thing, and we don't really have a word for it, so we kind of use this made-up word, peopling. Um, and there is, that is like the first, one of the first steps, right, in the way that you engage with a church community is you got to people a little bit. Uh, and just getting in the door is like a huge obstacle. It's a huge step. And so, well done. Uh, you've, already, you've already come this far today. But in our set of words, they're all not going to be completely made up, but I, I do have sort of a made-up word again for us today. And today's word is wording. Um, boy, that just rolls off the tongue. Wording, and uh, I, I want us to think about all of the things that are a part of our practice of listening and giving attention to the Word of God. And there's so much of that, and I, it comes so natural to so many of us that that's part of what church is, that you church, all the things that make up church, like uh, going and being a part of a, a class where you you open the Word of God together, you read the Scriptures together, you pay attention to what they say, you tease out the meanings, you ask questions. Um, I'm in a couple of things like that right now, besides the one that uh, I'm, I'm with with our 40s group on Sunday mornings, and I'm I'm really happy to be just a student in there most of the time, that I, I get to hear other people teach or lead that community in, in its wording, the practices. I can't wait till you guys say this mocking me, by the way, this word, to, you know, the wording thing. But I'm also in a, small, a little group on Wednesday nights that has been reading Galatians together for a while. It's just a group of, a, I don't know, eight, eight or nine people that, has just kind of slowly been reading verse by verse this ancient letter. And that seems like such a normal thing to do in church, and it's such a weird thing to do in the rest of the world, right? Church is, in some ways, like the world's weirdest book club, where we use the same book over and over and over and over again, even though it's really not just one book, it's a it's a whole lot of books. Uh, there are 66 little books that make up our little library. And we come to that book club all the time and we say, what does this mean to you? What, what, is your, uh, what have you read? What do you hear in this? What character means the most to you? Or what, do you, what character do you identify with or have trouble with? And in this, I, I, I read the other day about a, a book club, and it, this kind of made me think about the peopling stuff too, like the intersection of peopling and, and work. I heard of a, a book club for, this, this person told me they were in a book, or I read they were in a book club for introverts, and they all came and they just read their books silently together for 45 minutes. Like nobody talks. Like you just, the book club was you just show up, you get your cup of coffee, you sit in the easy chair, and everybody's quiet. And I thought, that sounds like paradise. 
even extroverted me was like, that sounds awesome. Now some of you are like, nope, not happening. But um, when I think about what it means, all of those different ways that we word, and sometimes we do, it's, sometimes it's a discussion thing. Sometimes it's a lecture and one person talks and everybody else listens. Sometimes it's more like a practice where we hear it and reflect on it silently. Sometimes there's homework. Sometimes it happens individually and sometimes it happens in a community setting. Really, there's a lot of what we do and what we naturally do as, as church that is about this wording thing. And there's a relationship that we have to this wording process over time. And if you're new, it, it's really weird and it feels uncomfortable. And, and it's so perfectly natural for you to have some times where you feel like you're lost in it a little bit. Okay, This wording practice sort of takes some time to get the hang of it. In the beginning, we often think of it as something that some people are a lot better at than others. It kind of seems like it's the meritocracy of the church is who is better at this particular thing or not. Honestly, part of my own spiritual journey was um, when I was growing up in a small church in North Alabama, uh, the, the, I, was, I was a person that was naturally good at understanding the ins and outs of the Bible. And I loved it. I, I was a Bible nerd very early on in my life. And um, I became very good at all of the trivia kinds of stuff. We, how many of you guys grew up in churches that did like Bible Bowl stuff? Okay, all right. I thought there was going to be uh, some of you guys there. Did you love it or hate Who Who else loved it? Oh, I, I, Lisa, I knew you loved it. All right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know who you are. Did any? Can anybody say that you hated it? I don't know if they... Okay. <laughs> bravest man in church today thank you all right well, well here's the thing okay I want you to I want to be very clear that what I mean by wording is not that okay and maybe related I think of that as bibling and when I was growing up I was really good at bibling at knowing the data that comes from the book of the scriptures it was a while before I got good at wording. And some of you guys have gone on that journey where you kind of realize the difference of those things, of where the, there, there became this difference, this kind of mismatch between all of the things that I knew factually about the scriptures. And then I really came into this place where I had to be confronted with what, like what they were challenging me to do and to become in the world. And I think that's the difference that I want to highlight between Bibling and wording. It kind of comes with an understanding of what that thing is. Um, not just an ancient book. It is what happens when God speaks into the world. And the book itself is a testimony. It's a witness and a reflection of the act of God speaking into the world. 
there's a, if we draw the diagrams of what is word of God and what the scriptures are, there's a lot of overlap. The, the scriptures are the word of God, okay? But they're not exactly the same thing. Does that make sense? Here, let me illustrate it this way. There, the word of God was in the world long before the scriptures were, right? And the scriptures hold part of the word of God but they are not a limit on the God who speaks. We think about what the word of God is. I, this is not a definition by any means. It's nothing so strict as that, but the word of God is what we call the intervention of God in history. How it's, as we use that phrase, the word of God, it's how we speak of God's intervention in the world. Does that make sense? Hey, can you kind of can we can we wrap our heads on that a little bit? It is the the God the created thing that God has made the cosmos. There are many many times where God says this thing needs a nudge. It needs a shift. It needs to change. And while God has given his creation much freedom and God's creation is, is it, it, it has its moving and it's changing and God has given humanity so much freedom in how we live in this world. There are times where God says, this world needs my intervention. And so the language that the scriptures have for that is the word of God came. When we think about the Word of God in, the, in its context in the Old Testament, most of the time, uh, that Word of God is calling, call, call, coming into the community of God's people to change and shape that community. It's a phrase that is mostly affiliated with the prophets. And so we would read, the Word of God came to Jeremiah. The Word of God came to Ezekiel. The Word of God came to Isaiah. Okay? The Word of God came to whatever prophet we are, we are thinking of. And when the Word of God comes, God speaks, He intends for something to change. And I think that's the fundamental difference between Bibling and wording. When I was growing up and I was Bibling, I was learning because it was interesting and I was curious, and that's great, okay? But at some point, even the man had to reckon with a God who would speak in ways that demanded change from me. And changed from the communities in which I live and the world in which I live. The God who speaks is not content to leave things alone without his presence and will being done. And so God over and over and over again speaks. And his word brings about something new and different. And as a community of people that are wording, we are trying to 
be a group of people that is open to that process. As we follow Jesus together, we are opening ourselves up more and more to depend on God's speaking for the change that we desire, that we honestly crave. There's a text uh, for us in a couple of texts here. The, the first one is, it's actually the text for which the song that we're going to sing after the sermon today, uh, we're going to sing Thy Word. You guys know that song? Thy Word. I can't even read that phrase in Scripture without hearing that. Anybody know what, anybody know what chapter of the Bible that comes from? This is going to be great. See, we're Bibling now. I'm sorry. It's, Psalm, it's from Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter of Mark saying, I knew it. I should have raised my hand. <laughs> Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, also something you learn when you're Bibling. Um, and it is a text about the poet's love for the Word of God. And I, not even his love for it, like his interest in it, but like his, his understanding that it is life. Listen to some of these some of these lines from this old, this, this longest chapter. We will read the whole thing. Deal bountifully with your servant so that I may live and observe your word. Open my eyes so that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I live as an alien, as a stranger, immigrant in the land. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your ordinances at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me their scorn and contempt, for I've kept your decrees. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your decrees are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. When I told of, your, of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. And make me understand the way of your precepts. I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Hear the longing, the craving for a word that strengthens and revives and challenges and changes. This is the song of the people of God who are bound together by this opening to not just knowing the scriptures, but to the process of hearing and being shaped by the word of God. In Colossians, the first chapter, beginning in verse 3, there's this text. Paul writing to the, Colossi, the church in Colossae there, he says, In our prayers we for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints because of the things, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth. The gospel that has come to you. Listen, here's this, here's this line. Just as it is bearing fruit 
and growing in the whole world. So it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. Paul goes on to speak of where they heard this word. But notice the language of this. What is it that the word does? This word that has gone out into all the world. It is bearing fruit. And the word itself is growing like a plant that begins as a seed and it's been sown in the hearts of the, it's been sown in the community of God's people and it begins to grow and it begins to grow into a mature plant so that it can bear fruit, right? Ellie and I were doing some Christmas shopping. I know uh, that's the season that's upon us. We're going to go spend some time with my family for Thanksgiving. And, you know, when, when you live away, you do Christmas at Thanksgiving, all that. Anybody else having Christmas this next week? Just completely, even before Advent starts, you know. We went to the Good Earth, you know, the plant nursery over on Cantrell. And we were walking around. One of the things that we saw was this pathetic little lemon tree. And this little lemon tree, two feet off the ground, with the scrawniest branches you've ever seen and three itty-bitty lemons hanging off of it. Now, I don't know how well lemons thrive here in Arkansas, okay? Not really known for our citrus, are we? But in the right conditions and in the right soil, that little two-foot tree wouldn't stay like that, and it sure would produce a whole lot more. We go to California for Christmas time. We'll go and we'll walk over to the neighbors, you know, grapefruit trees and all that kind of stuff. More grapefruits than anybody could possibly eat, it seems like. I think there's their, their neighbor's grapefruit tree apparently supplies the grapefruits for the whole world. Okay. Paul says the word of God is growing and it's growing in a lot of different climates, in a lot of different spaces. It's, it's been planted and it's growing and it's bearing fruit. More and more fruit, right? It is something that comes into the world and it brings something new and it brings something different into the world. And if we are to be a people who become a wording people, And the real measure of that is not how many verses we know and can cite. It is the fruit. It is the things that happen in our life. The goodness, and the mercy, and the peace, and the love, and the joy, and all of those things that are growing more fully and more bountifully in our lives, right? The word of truth the word of truth that comes to us and is the source of our hope. It is something that grows and bears fruit from the very first day that we hear it and growing and growing and growing the more we give it its attention. The wording is not just something that we do to mine data. It is part of the formative way that God is intervening in the world by intervening in us. Create something new, something different. 
But think about like what that means practically. And there are lots of things that I could do and say, you know, about what it means to practically be people of the word. Absolutely none of them will make any difference at all without the fundamental choice to cultivate within ourselves a readiness to hear the word of God. An eagerness to understand what it is that God would speak. And just as a little tip for that, okay, a little way, another way of thinking about that, which I think is helpful, is tying it to the way that we're speaking about what the word of God is, right? So if we think about the word of God as the way that God intervenes in the world, developing our readiness to hear it means that we are cultivating our desire to see God intervene in the world, right? Are we a people that are ready for God to intervene in the world? And in the words of the, of the ancient prophets, right, who would, who would look out at the destruction of their city, who would look out at the injustice and the violence of the places in which they live, and they would cry out with that ancient refrain that shows up so many times in the prophetic literature and in the Psalms too, when there's pain and suffering to be noted. And those voices cry out, how long, O Lord, right? And that's the voice of a people who are ready to see the intervention of God in the world. How long, O oh Lord? How long? In, as the New Testament closes in the book of Revelation, in this last prophetic word that will come there in the, that period, the prophet and the church say together, they say, the, 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 they, they hear the voice of Jesus saying, Behold, I am coming soon. And what is it that's the refrain there at the end of Revelation? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. An eagerness for the speaking one. Come and intervene and change and make things different. And as a church, part of what that means is that we have to develop that longing for the world to change and an understanding and a humility that says, let that change begin among us. Let that change begin in my very own soul. And when I do that, when I start thinking of the world that way, with an eagerness and a, a, a craving for the, the world to, to be conformed to the will of God, then I start to desire myself to be ready to hear it, to be ready to hear that speaking word that can start the change even within myself. So cultivate a readiness to hear. And the second, uh, create space or make space for listening in your life. And I will say, you know, in our world, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of different tools that we have for being able to access the scriptures. Um, it is astonishing that we live in a world where these printed Bibles are so plentiful, and now we have even these little computers that we can carry around in our pockets and bring the whole thing to us in an unbelievable number of translations. It's astonishing. And I think it's good for us to make space using all those tools individually. I would 
also commend to you all of those little spaces that we have to do that together as being important too. And I don't know how to do this without sounding like a pitch for a program, okay? But y'all, the church has spaces where we study scripture for a reason. And part of it is just that we're trying to make space for listening. And honestly, that doesn't really come like it's not about the body count that we have in our Bible classes on Sunday morning or on Wednesday nights or anything like that. It's really about do we all have spaces where we're listening? And I would beg you to make that listening space something that's not just individual. The thing that we talk about with like Bible study and we think about it as being a private individual discipline is a super modern phenomenon. Rather, I think there is space, we need to create listening spaces where we as the people of God together, at least in little groups, spend time listening to the word of God together. Is there, you guys agree with that? I think it's important. I think it's important for us to have space where we listen because when I listen to the word of God in community, I'm able to hear it more richly than I am if I just do it in my little phone booth bubble. Okay? I'm able to hear how the spirit of God is opening you and your voices from your experiences and your backgrounds. And you know what? The more diverse our community is as we listen to the, to the word together, the richer of an experience we're going to have of being able to listen and be open to it. God beg you to make space for listening in community. In Colossians, it goes further from the, the text that we read is just kind of the opening prayer. There's a, a passage later on in chapter 3, and it's, it's right before, of course, the most Church of Christ of all verses, which talks about singing together. We're going to come to that in, a, in another week, okay? Before that, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. And then it goes on to say, As you sing psalms, hymns, right? Okay? But that first part, man, I almost never heard that part growing up for some reason. I don't know why. It's so beautiful. Let the word of Christ dwell among you abundantly, richly, fully, as though the com in the community of God, in the community of God's people, the word is present, sitting on a pew a couple rows down, showing up at potlucks, hanging out in small groups. The word is living among us. And it's and then the among us thing is part of that, right? It's the usness there, together, gathered, peopling, but with the word of God present with us, ready to hear. Number three is a question that I would encourage you to ask, and this is it. It's uh, always come to the word and come to the space as you listen and as you're ready to hear. Come asking. What kind of world does this create? So if the word of God is coming to intervene and it's coming to change something about the world, I think it's a healthy practice for us to ask, what sort of world is it that receives and hears and is shaped by this text? If this text 
had its way in the world, what kind of world would we have? And I think that's a, a very challenging way to read scripture. I would also say that let's kind of, if we think about this kind of bubbled a little bit and maybe do some, uh, imagine some circles. I mean, think about world with big language there. What kind of cosmos does this create? What kind of then community does it create? And then and only then do I come to it and say, and what kind of person lives in such a community, in such a world? So when we read the word of God and we pay attention to it, we listen to it and hear it together, we are asking, what kind of direction does this give the world? And that's where we come ready to make changes and come ready to embrace what the world, word of God is speaking to is different. And number four today, as I would say on the other side of all of this, and notice we didn't start with this one, but number four is make space for speaking. And we have to be ready to hear first, and we have to make space for listening first, and we have to do some of that hard work of opening ourselves to change, to be formed by that word. But then there's the speaking part of it. There's this really interesting thing that happens in the book that we just finished studying a couple of weeks ago. We, we did Acts for a long time this year. And in the, in the book of Acts, there's this really strange change. As I mentioned before, like in the, in the Old Testament, the way that that phrase comes mostly, the word of God came to blank, such and such a prophet. And almost all of the time, not universally, but almost all of the time, those words come to the prophet for the sake of changing Israel, for sake of changing Judah, for sake of changing those who already knew themselves to be the people of God. Yet, in the book of Acts, Acts speaks about the word of God differently. It talks about a word of God that doesn't just come to the people of God, but a word of God that goes from them that goes forth into the world, that starts with going out into all of these different places where there were just pagans who had no knowledge about the word of God. This word of God went out into the world and started taking root and started uh, growing in those different places. That's exactly the sort of thing that our text from Colossians is talking about, right? There is a word of Christ and that word of God, the, that gospel, the word of the gospel of truth, that thing has already somehow made its way to you over in the city of Colossae, a long, long, long way from Jerusalem, right? All over the world, that gospel is bearing fruit and growing, right? And that happens because the people of God who have heard the word of God courageously and boldly speak the word of God around. Now, let no one speak of the word of God who has not already opened themselves to hear it, who has not opened themselves to be able to be changed by it, be made different from it. But also let not those who have been shaped by the formative word of Jesus hold that word to ourselves. Part of wording is speaking of the things that we've heard. 
I think all of this is so at the core of what this church is trying to be about. Trying to be a place, right? That from the very beginning of the journey until the very end is always opening ourselves again to hear our four-year-olds, and I think most of our four-year-olds have already gone. Have most of our four-year-olds, are there any four-year-olds still in the house, you brave souls? Okay. Do we have any of the ears still? Do we anybody, does anybody, does anybody lead, bring them to me. I want them. Okay. All right. These are so great. All right. So, <laughs> so our, I'm going to, yeah. Yeah, so our, this won't fit my head, but nonetheless, okay. So our four-year-old classes this morning made these giant ears and they speak they say speak lord for your servant does it say is listening or, yeah your servant is listening i couldn't say if, listen i didn't know what translation they used in the four-year-old class okay and it's from the story of samuel okay it's in first samuel it's from the story of samuel who will grow and become a prophet but at the beginning he's just a little kid and he's just a little kid that has to learn to listen for the word of God in his life. And here at Central, whether you're four years old or whether you're 84 years old, isn't that who we want to be? People who say to God, speak. Your servants are listening. We're going to sing this song that comes straight from Psalm 119. And I hope today as we do that, I hope we'll be all kind of recommitting ourselves to that, that nature. And maybe we should have had this craft for everybody today. I kind of feel bad that we didn't set that up, you know. <laughs> when you see these little four-year-olds around today wearing their ears so, so proudly, just think, yeah, man, me too, me too. Let's stand and sing together.